Prologue. Letter to Arboreal Manor, Surrey, England. Dated April 28, 1889. My dearest mother, before I continue any further, I must sincerely apologize for my lack of correspondence in the previous weeks, despite my assurance that I would write to you frequently. Truth be told, the journey so far has preoccupied my mind entirely, and though I am ashamed to admit it, my thoughts of home have been pushed aside by the wonders of the foreign world I have been exposed to on my journey. I hope to remedy this lapse in contact with this letter, detailing our travels on the continent. Indeed, what travels they have been! I will admit, I was hesitant upon Dr. Morningstar's initial invitation for me to join him on this journey. As you will know, throughout the years of my apprenticeship under the doctor, I have scarcely traveled further than London, with the single exception being our brief trip to Moitura in Ireland last year. Even the distant depths of Scotland were the domain of Athena, rather than my own realm of investigation. Despite my initial unease, however, the feeling of exhilaration felt upon stepping forth from that first boat onto the docks of France is one unparalleled in my life until this point. All things, even the air itself, held within them a newfound sense of unknowable expanse. From this brief stay on the French coastline, an ease into the country's way of life, we traveled by rail to Paris. Oh, you would love France, mother. I remember you telling me once that our family line originates from here, and if so, I can see the root of our clan's history in the greenery. The lushness of the countryside is exquisite, miles of rolling hills and fields, some entirely for the purpose of growing the most magnificent purple flowers I have ever seen. Whilst I was unable to retrieve a sample of the plants, as our equipment was shipped ahead of us and waits in the capital, I have politely asked Athena to collect a series of sketches of all the plants we come across for your benefit. Their watercolor skills are unlike any I have seen while capturing the world surrounding us in glorious color. Paris astonished me both in its similarities and its differences when compared to London. The sprawling streets flanked by tightly packed houses and the magnificent architectural testaments to mankind leave the city feeling fresh and alive in all the ways London's cramped streets give it a gloomy feeling of decay. It does, however, have an underlying smell which may rival London's own, and I will admit many parts of the metropolis are not as pleasant as my descriptions may lead you to believe. Eclipsing all, however, is the newly erected monument of engineering and ingenuity at the heart of the city, the Eiffel Tower. Officially, its construction ended last month, making it the tallest building in the world. I have no doubt this news has spread across the channel already, but the sheer wonder of the monument cannot be conveyed properly in words or photographs of any kind. The interlocking metallic structures are a work of beauty, and even Dr. Morningstar shared in our youthful glee and exuberance as we journeyed to its uppermost observation deck. Words cannot do the view provided by the tower justice. To see the world from such a height is the oddest mixture of breathtaking and surreal and is an experience the likes of which I expect never again to be rivaled in my life. I know you disapprove of my continued apprenticeship with Dr. Morningstar, Mother, especially in regard to this current journey. However, for this experience alone, I find myself wholly indebted to him. Alas, our Parisian leg of the journey was short-lived. After recovering the doctor's equipment in our own baggage, our train, a rather luxury engine by the name of the Orient Express, pulled out from Paris on course to Constantinople. Once again, the scenery which surrounded us was enough to make one fall short of breath. The sprawling mountains hold a beauty unlike any I had even dreamed of seeing, stretching beyond us in all directions as we moved through the countryside of Europe. 
If I had my way, I would have stayed months in every city we passed, soaking in the richness of culture which I very barely got to experience on our way. Athena's dreams trouble them still. I'm worried about her. There have been a few nights of late when they have not awoken from these nightmares, and though I try my best to comfort them, they seem to be getting worse. It affects him more too, I think. Some days I will happen upon them gazing, unfocused, out of the windows of the train, or drifting aimlessly through the landscape of the villages we stop in. It's a strange, almost longing gaze, as if one day he might simply disappear into this unknown world, chased and tormented by these night terrors and I may never see him again. Perhaps I am merely overthinking it all, but it weighs heavily on my mind as of late, as it must hers also. If France felt like another world, the arrival in Constantinople felt like stepping onto another planet entirely. The culture and history are built into the foundations of the city in a way I can barely express in this letter alone, as my words could hardly do it justice. The styles of the buildings alone could fill an entire of my research sketchbooks, although I doubt the doctor would look favorably upon that. Dr. Morningstar himself became progressively more withdrawn as the trip continued, burying himself in his books the closer we got to Athens. Speaking of which, the voyage to the Grecian city by boat once again offered a stunning view of the crystal blue Asian sea, and although I admit I am not built for the Mediterranean sun, the weather was incredibly pleasant on our journey before reaching the archaeological site. I am not, even as we sit under the hot Aegean skies, and I catalog the finds of Dr. Morningstar, entirely sure what the objective of the doctor's current research is. He claims it is what he has always studied, the lost culture he has spoken about for years. But if that is the case, I am baffled as to our presence here of all places. All of his research into this culture, from my understanding, has focused entirely on the British Isles, and our presence in this Athenian site feels strange, and almost entirely divorced from those studies. However, the investigation of these ruins seems to excite the doctor beyond belief. We're getting closer, he has told us on numerous occasions throughout our journey. Closer to what, exactly, I am not entirely sure. I feel that I am not allowed to share our research enough to elaborate, and I suspect much of it may bore you in its monotony. But I am confident enough to suspect that we, despite our party's small size, are on a verge of a breakthrough which may shift the understanding of our world as we know it. Whilst it may be some time until I can return home to you, I hope that these letters, for I intend to continue writing them, are enough to assure you of my safety and commitment to this field of research. I send my love to yourself and Easton, and I hope that their work is allowing them as much prosperity as mine does for me. I hope to enclose some small tokens of my travels within the next letter. With the warmest regards, your child, J.B. Pine.